0: that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer. I am one of the elders at the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ, and I've entitled today's episode Finally Brethren Farewell. It comes from Second Corinthians chapter thirteen and verse eleven, which happens to be one of my favorite verses in all of the New Testament. As Paul was bringing this letter to a close, he wrote, finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect, be of good comfort, be of one mind. Live in peace and the God of love and peace shall be with you. It has become my custom to use this particular verse every time I'm bringing a gospel meeting that I hold to a close. Second Corinthians is not an easy letter to read. It is very emotional filled with Paul's responses to numerous personal attacks that he had endured, as well as his response to several charges that had been leveled against him. Paul holds nothing back in this book. He meets the personal attacks head-on and answers in often stern language the charges that have been made by some against him. Yet we also note in this book some of the great fundamental doctrines of Christianity. We see in 2 Corinthians the glory of our Lord Jesus. We see the majesty of his work of reconciliation, and we see the power of the gospel to change men. He writes the life of service that Christianity demands and of the need to avoid sin. However, this letter is probably the least doctrinal of all of Paul's letters to the churches. Paul was a man of great passion And that passion is never more evident than in the second Corinthian letter. One man wrote, Yet it is not the events of his outward life which attract our supreme interest. It is rather the revelation which is here made of the apostle's soul. We look into his very heart. We see his motives, his anguish, his joys, his fears, his hopes, his wounded feelings, and his ardent love. Evidently, the whole letter was written under the stress of strong emotion. Paul was so plain in this letter, strict and to the point. When rebuke was necessary, he rebuked in language that could leave no room for misunderstanding. No one could read this letter and come away wondering what Paul believed or what he thought of any issue that he addressed within it. As a matter of fact, in chapter 13, verse 10, Paul wrote, Therefore, I write these things, being absent, lest being present, I should use sharpness according to the power which the Lord hath given me to edification and not to destruction. The letter was meant to stimulate those guilty of making the false charges against Paul to repent, lest when he was present among them he would need to deal with these individuals severely. Now, as forceful and as powerful as Paul was in this letter, as plain and severe as his rebukes were. Did this indicate that Paul had anything but love in his heart for his brethren? No. In fact, he brings the letter to a close with a word of exhortation. He had had stern words for those involved in sin, and he had severely rebuked those who needed rebuking, but now he includes them all as his brethren. What beautiful words. Finally, brethren, farewell. More literally, that would be finally, brethren, rejoice. There is much in which to rejoice in being a Christian. Surely there is joy in our redemption, that we should be moved to rejoice in our union with our Lord and our Father. I'm not exactly sure what Paul was saying to these brethren when he urges them to rejoice, but perhaps he expressing the thought of let my last word to you be to rejoice. He also said be perfect were pressed on to perfection. The content of the letter indicates that there was a great deal among the brethren in Corinth that needed to be fixed. Many sins had been committed, and in many areas some had fallen so far short, and Paul had not hesitated to point those things out. Now he's saying, fix it. Be what you ought to be. Walk as the Lord would have you to walk. He also had exhorted them to be of good comfort. The same word can be translated as comfort or counsel. It is probable that Paul was saying that they were to give heed to the things that he had written unto them. Obey his words and know real comfort. Be of one mind. This takes me back to Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10, Paul had written, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. That letter went on to address several of the issues that were causing problems and division among the Corinthian church. The word for divisions was the same word used to designate a terror in a piece of material, while the word for perfectly joined together came from a word meaning to mend fishing nets. Paul was exhorting the Corinthians to fix the divisions, to mend those things that were tearing them apart. He didn't mean ignore them or pretend that the problems didn't exist. He meant to fix them. When brethren do that, they will, as Paul said, live in peace. Unity. How blessed unity is. However, true unity is not agreeing to disagree. True unity is obtained when all accept the same standard and abide therein. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus in John 17 verses 19 through 21. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one as thou father art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that Thou hast sent me. An even more blessed consequence of being of one mind is that the God of love and peace shall be with you. I love Second Corinthians 13, verse 11. It gives me an attitude of heart to shoot for. No matter what issues may be addressed, no matter how passionate the method of addressing may be, it is always based on love. Thank you for listening today.